Welcome back to Distinct Nostalgia by MIM. More than a podcast. Brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. Staying well, staying home. Emmerdale has been on our screens for nearly 49 years and in that time it's had some fine characters who've combined both drama with comedy perfectly. One of those characters was Viv Windsor, later Viv Hope, played by the wonderful Dina Payne. Viv was eventually killed off and is one of the most missed characters in the show. Well, Ashley's been catching up with Dina to discuss her life as Viv from her home on the West Yorkshire-North Yorkshire border. Have fun! Delighted to chat to you, Dina, uh, about your time in Emmerdale. You were in it a long, long time, weren't you? Was it 17 or 18 years you were in Emmerdale? Yep. I think I arrived round about uh, June 1993 with a seven-month-old baby tucked under my arm. And yes, so that was 27 years ago. Grief. Grief. So I was in it for 18 years. Yeah, long time, a long time. Now, had you, obviously, Emmerdale by that point was, um, it started off as Emmerdale Farm, of course, in 1972. By that point, was was actually 21 years old itself. Um, what um, what did you know about Emmerdale? Presumably, you'd watched it over the years and you knew about it. I mean, was it something you'd, you'd watched, you know, from the early time, when it first started? Well, I was aware of it. Um, I, I think it was on a lunchtime, wasn't it? And me being... Um, quite an active person, didn't often sit down and watch the telly at lunchtime. However, it did filter into everybody's subconscious, I think. It was because of the farming and, and because of the greenery and everything. And that I used to love being outdoors anyway. I still do. Um, so I knew who Fraser Hines was. And, you know, I would be very aware of all the characters. Um and but, Fraser, was, uh, Fraser was a bit of a heartthrob, wasn't he, back in the, back in the day? According right. to him, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he was. Uh, he was on Doctor Who as well. So, yeah, I mean, he was very well known. And I think Emmerdale at the time, because it was a lunchtime thing, I, I, th- I think it, it moved into the evening when I arrived, obviously. But the Windsors were brought in because EastEnders had had uh, started and I think it had been on for about eight or nine years by then I'm not quite sure um, and so we were a London family obviously and we were brought in to bring the southerners interest into Emmerdale I'm not sure that it worked but um, yeah so that that was quite exciting and of course that reflected real life in the sense that you know I'm from Yorkshire and I know that the the Dales you know, started to be a more mixed sort of community. More people were moving in from other areas and other parts of the country. So that Emmerdale was reflecting reality really at that time because new people were moving in, weren't they? Yep, I think it was the start of being quite topical. And I think also then they they spread their net and it became quite um, a variety of uh, locals. Um, so, yeah it became more topical from then. And I think that's what they were trying to do with the Windsors. And I suppose you were, because of your characters, we're talking about your characters at the moment because they were particularly um, distinctive just in the way that the, the personalities and whatever. But you, I suppose it was, it was good to get that contrast as well between the Northerners and the Southerners and the way you might see life and they may see life. And, you know, that sort of um, a bit of a clash in a way. You know, we're going, coming into a village, you were new people in the village, there was always going to be a bit of tension, wasn't there, really? 
totally. I mean, we arrived in this kind of old Zephyr, I think it was, um, bright yellow. Vic loved his old cars, so we steamed in, singing musical songs and goodness knows what. S rushed past, uh, I think, um, uh, Kim riding a horse uh, and Fraser, and so the horses reared up. I mean, we were we were from London. We didn't you know you had to slow down and respect nature, you know, all of that business. Um, so, yeah, we were invited to the... Uh, an, a summer party, I believe. It was round a swimming pool at Rudding Park, and it was one of the first things we did. And Vic had a great big, um, I don't think you can say that this these days, but it, a, a big radio on his shoulder. <laughs> and, and you know, they were all a little bit taken aback by this kind of uh, city type of essence. But uh, it was interesting. It was great, actually. What was the story... In, in the sense of in the programme as to why they decided to move to, uh, to the Dales? Well, Vic wanted a change of um, life, um, but Viv didn't even know that they were coming up to Yorkshire and he decided to buy a post office for, for some unknown reason. He'd seen it for sale in a little village called Beckendale, I think it was at that time. And... Um, so he brought them up and they had to actually go to Rudding Park or, or the Holiday Village, as it was called, and um, stay in a tent for a, a month or so because they had to go and, <laughs> A, the post office had to be done up, revamped, and they had to go for, obviously, their, their classes to be in, uh, in, interned, if you like, as postmistress and postmaster. So they had to do all the uh, exams, etc. So that took time, and and they kind of played a bit of havoc on the. On I mean, the it is actually a task and a half actually becoming a postmaster. I, I know yeah, that. Yeah, sure I, it is. I heard about that. And uh, was was I can't remember. Was Viv Viv wasn't happy about all this, was she? If I remember rightly, is that right? Well, she didn't know. She didn't know where she was going for a start. Oh. He never. It was a surprise. Great, uh, a surprise, and and she'd been taken away from her family. Um, not that I, I think she had a sister, but that was it uh, from South. And she was a real Southerner. She she liked her Southern life, and she she took a while to integrate. However, I mean, she's obvi obviously loved it because she stayed there. But I don't know whether it was the men she loved in the end, or, 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 the, or the village life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she was a, a real tittle-tattle. She loved people and, uh, you know, spreading yeah. the gossip. She loved the gossip, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so when you, I mean, how did you first get wind of the part, or the, you know, and what did you know about it? Tell us, take us back to how, you know, did somebody ring you up and say, we'd love to get you in Emmerdale, or did you have an audition? What, how did you get the role? Well, um, I just had... My son, actually, I, I'm more into, I, I did a lot of musical theatre for about 20 years before um, Emmerdale. I was more into musical theatre and then integrated into um, plays. I did uh, Steaming, the lead part at Hornchurch Rep. Uh, and then I helped uh, direct musicals at Hornchurch Rep. Um, you know, a bit of a well, jack of all trades, master of none. And um, I then, I was also doing my therapy. Didn't you, work, didn't you work with Arlene Phillips at, at one point as well? Um, yeah, I worked with her quite a bit. But she was, uh, she taught me at college in my second year at, uh, 
arts education when she started teaching. So um, she taught me. And then when I left college, obviously, you have to keep your... Um, I was a dancer, you see. Um, you have to keep your strength up. So I went to uh, um, Floral Street Dance Centre and she used to take classes there. So I knew Arlene quite well. And then little bits and bobs and jobs and commercials and stuff. She would use me and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, so I know Arlene quite well. It's really nice to see her when I'm auditioning and things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, where were we? Um, Talking about how you got the part in Emmerdale, how it came oh, about. Oh, yes, of course. Um, okay, so I was doing my therapy as well. I worked from home doing aromatherapy, reflexology. And in those days, aromatherapy wasn't known very well. It was about 86, 87. So I had quite a few people at home, uh, which between jobs, which is great. Then I got pregnant with Will. Um, I had him. And then I took him off to New York to show him my friend when he was about three months old, which was great. And just before I went, uh, my agent rang up and said, look, um, I know you've just had Will and everything, but they're looking for a new Southern family in Emmerdale. Uh, would you like to go up for the audition? And I said, oh, yeah, why not? Just I'll go up just to get my confidence back, you know. So... Um, it was the first time I'd left Will. He was a baby, a real little tiny baby. And I went into uh, London and the underground got stuck in a tunnel. And I was very, you know, nervous. I came in late. They wanted a real London family. So I put on the worst accent, Cockney accent you've heard in your life. But once I started speaking in it I couldn't suddenly say look that that's not really me this is me you know just talking London uh, I just was doing the whole audition listening to myself talking in this awful Cockney accent anyway I left the audition thinking right okay well <laughs> that was interesting anyway they then asked me for a um screen test so I had to come up to Yorkshire so I came up to Yorkshire and I was picked up at Leeds went into Farsley because we we used to film at Sunnybank Mill in Farsley and I just thought everywhere is black everywhere is dark because all the buildings at that time were really we'll be back after a quick break you still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping you feel me? Loading them up on. It, it only takes structure. And, and, you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Know what I mean? So do do your homies uh got a role in your, in your little, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We all, we all artists over here, man. I'm trying, all right? Yeah, I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying, oh, yeah? I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, me, we all artists, man. We go, you feel me? We going to have this, like. Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Right now. With this I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for real. For oh, don't lie. play with it. Play with it. No. Take that shit sir. Black. <laughs> yeah, York, York, Yorkshire stone buildings, which had got the sort of the, the dirt and the muck of the, the you know, yeah. over, over the years, the, the smoke and stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, a lot of, yeah. you know, a lot of them are, are coloured in that way. 
So that's what you thought, did you? you thought, oh God, dark satanic mills. Yeah, but but then I hadn't seen the Dales or anything. And what I have to say is you only go a couple of miles out of any city or any town and you're surrounded by green. I absolutely love it. That's why I haven't gone back home uh, down south. Anyway, so we start, I I got the job um, and we started, I started to film in, in Sunnybank Mill and that was such a, an eerie place it used to be um a mill obviously where they used to click clock click clock with the um what do they used to call them the shoes the cogs yeah and uh, and it was really eerie i'm sure it was uh, had a few ghosts anyway so we used to have to get uh, changed wardrobe and makeup was upper floor and the studios were underneath but the building was really creaky so when filming started, a big bell would go and everybody, wherever you were, had to stop still. So it really wasn't time effective, was it? So I would be upstairs late, rushing to make up, and then the bell would go. So I'd get on the floor and crawl on my tummy so I wouldn't creep the floor. <laughs> it was... Well, it's good. Anyway, that's why they um, moved to Burley Road in the end, have our own studios. It was huge. Well, of course, Yorkshire TV, the main headquarters at that time, of course, was at Kirkstall Road, wasn't it? Yeah, and we were just next door. We had next our door, yeah. own kind of, it's almost like an airplane hangar. It was huge. And of course, in those days, um, Yorkshire TV was huge. It was one of the big ITV companies, wasn't it? That was making loads and loads of things. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As well as Emmerdale, there'd be loads of stars there coming through the, the doors doing all sorts of things, you know. So a great place to work, great place to work in many ways. Yeah, uh, and in fact, uh, Emmerdale's moved into the uh, ITV Kirkstall Studios now. Yeah, and I think it's the only ITV building that's intact from the beginning now. Yeah. Uh, all the others have gone, and, you know, or been yeah, replaced. It is a shame, it is a shame. So what were you told that you're, obviously you were a Southern family coming up, but what were you told that your character would be like? And did you told, initially, initially did you like her? I was told absolutely nothing. They didn't tell me anything about the character, which is, I think um, the PR side of Emmerdale, they had all her character and wouldn't let me see it for some unknown reason. So when we had a lot of interest from all the media and all the papers, I was making up my thing and they were telling them something else. So <laughs> it was quite interesting. So I just thought, well, Alan Lewis played Vic and he was on Birds of a Feather and he was just, he, he was well known for that, you see. So, and I'd never met him before I worked with him. I didn't audition with him. I didn't read with him. So the very first time I met him, I was in the uh, makeup van um, out in Escholt and um my son had kept me awake because it was the first night and he didn't know what's happening. So I was awake every hour on the hour. Um, and then I was in makeup being followed by a, a camera crew because it was the new family coming in. So it, there was a, they were following me and I had never met Alan in my life. And I was just about to do my first scene with him. And he came through the uh, caravan door cause it was like a caravan. And um, he looked so big, and, and I was so little. And, and he said, oh, hello, you play my wife? And I said, yes, and we tried to give each other a kiss and miss. And I thought, well, this bodes well, doesn't it? We can't even aim that straight. 
but um it's funny on 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 uh, camera or on you know tv we actually kind of size wise kind of melded into quite a good um balance it was uh, it's it funny was, what the, it's funny what the camera does to you isn't it really it's really yeah. strange yeah yeah because I'm, I'm quite small and and I, I probably was a bit bigger then about a stone probably um and so it kind of puts 10 pounds on you anyway so i probably look much bigger on tv and because uh, alan was tall and he was stout but he, he kind of it was more balanced so we look more of a couple on tv but off tv i look really tiny against him it looked really funny <laughs> And you, you, you knew that you'd been in Birds of a Feather. You'd seen him in Birds of a Feather. Oh yeah, I used to like him in Birds of a Feather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so how did you? I mean, what a weird way is you right? It's strange. I mean, at least most situations you get a chance to read with somebody before, don't you, or something? Yes. Yeah, you, you were thrown in together. How did you manage to sort of build the chemistry? Um. Well, you just do. I mean, you, you make your part. So you, you build it through working together as well. I mean, you know, you go through your lines. You didn't have much time. For, well, actually, in those days, you did have time for a rehearsal. We had three days um, to do line runs. Uh, I think it was called uh, Producers Run. And then in the first week, it would be all the studio stuff. And in the second week, it would be all the location stuff with the Sugdens. And if you weren't, if you could read the scripts, there was only two eps in a week. You could read the scripts. If you weren't any, in any location, you know you weren't working for the second week and you could go home. Um, so it was all very nice and lovely. That would be a luxury no, today, wouldn't it? A luxury today. I mean... Well, it ended now, up being... For me, six six episodes a week, and they they would have three directors working on four each over two weeks, so it was all out of continuity, as it always was, really. Um, and you never got any rehearsal; you just have a read through with each other, and then um, block take. That's it. So that's how it works now. How I left it anyway. But in the beginning, you did have rehearsal, so you could work on that especially on set not on on you know location so you could work you know you just did you just brought what you thought should be brought to the the part and also i found once i started working and i realized actually you're not going to get any direction because you have a different director for each few so they're just taking what you're giving them and getting the story moved on so um i thought okay um I don't quite like her like this, so I'm going to shift it a bit. And I also realised that some of the writers, if they felt you could be a little bit comical or something, they would tweak it and they would write for you a little bit better. So I, so I did. So when Vic left, when he was, you know, he died, um, I made a, an, a definite decision. I thought, right, I think she's a bit weak. She's a bit namby-pamby nothing about her and I thought what suits me best and I thought well the 60s look in the hair I quite like that suits me so backcombed it did all that what did I like wearing padded shoulders because I'm quite large here so I like padded shoulders and a jacket and a nice little white t-shirt short skirts used to love wearing short skirts and high heels and I thought well I don't wear them anymore because I wouldn't dare but I can I can exorcise my 
my needs through Viv. So that's what we did. So I said to the uh, wardrobe, I'll only wear trousers if I'm going to Scarborough for the day. Um, but when I'm working in the post office, or what became my our lounge became the tea room. Um, when I'm working in the cafe, nice short skirts, padded shoulders, jackets, big earrings, you know, the lot. So, big Fabulous. belt. Fabulous. So you, you had some real input then in, into her character in that way. That was really good. I did, did at one point, but um, I was lucky. I was lucky. I did it little bit by little. I, I couldn't really, you know, I had to kind of get permission in the way, obviously, because, but... Like I said, I wasn't really get given any kind of uh, direction for the character. So I just thought, well, okay, you don't give me any, I'll make it up. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and actually, in a way, probably the way in which you developed the character and what she became known probably helped to give the character more longevity in a way. Yeah. Because you, you, you gave it some real, you know, impetus and, and sort of people could see there was a bit more to her and she yeah. became a sort of... Um, well, she, I think, you know, I think, you know, she was a, an iconic character in, in Emmerdale. And, and, you know, obviously she had serious storylines, uh, but there was, she gave it a little bit of comedy as well, didn't she? You know, yeah, when Bob came along, because there was, there was so many fun things that I loved doing with, with, with Bob, with, with Tony, um, because he comes from the um, comedic sense, you know, he does all that. And I come from the the other other way it, just life in in a trauma can actually be funny sometimes you know but you don't know it at the time um so i tried to well i didn't try anything we just had this we had a great rapport and we were given some great storylines and one of them was when um i think it was carol it was a bit like thelma and louise uh, a friend of viv's came and stayed and we had a great time and Bob was just on on the periphery then. Viv really liked him, or had she married him? I can't remember when they were married, or going to get married. I don't know, I can't remember. But Carol said, you know he, he he's away a lot, because he was away a lot, because he was a salesman. But I didn't quite know what he was selling, and it was lingerie. And so um, this was a bit suspect, so we spent... Um, several episodes in, in Carol's um, Merc, Silver Merc, big car, following Bob. Well, he went from door to door, as you can imagine, holding up these wonderful uh, pieces of lingerie. And, you know, there would be a woman who'd say, come inside and with two or three kids and this, that and the other. And Carol say, look, you see, he's got wives everywhere and kids everywhere. And it really rolled... Um, Viv, and then there was this time where we were still following him and then happened to see his car parked in a field and it was going up and down. And of course, Carol wound her up something rotten and uh, stopped the car. We walked through the field, which by the way was really muddy and we both got heels on, mine higher than hers. And uh, anyway, she was, we walked to the car. It was a sunny day, so we both got sunglasses on. It was great actually opened the door and I, I shouted something like, who have you got in, in there? What are you, what are you doing? Get her out of here. How dare you? And all this business. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm just pumping up my Lilo. So <laughs> it was just really funny. I think they'd had a, an argument. That's why 
uh, and he wasn't living at home and that's why they were following him. They wanted to know what he was up to. But there were so many funny things like that and I'll always remember that. Only on Distinct Nostalgia. When I ran out of children's books, I used to read from Woman's Home. Who knew a four-year-old would be gripped by an article on cross-stitch? We're uniting the ages with Generation Games, a series of comedy and drama monologues and duologues coming exclusively to Distinct Nostalgia. Stories exploring connections, friendships and relationships between people across different age groups, beginning with Missing You, starring June Brown and Sam Barnard. Mum thinks I need protecting, but I don't need protecting from love. Pity that social worker of his can't do something useful for a change. Contact the noise abatement lot. Put in a complaint. I like her, I said. And then, silence. What's the problem? I asked. Still take advantage of you, Mum warned. Missing You by Richard Verjet with the legendary June Brown only on Distinct Nostalgia. More than a podcast. Do you want a cup of tea? I'll have half a cup. And that caught on. Yeah, that became a kind of catchphrase, I think. It was the hilarious film of 1999. It wasn't anything to do with race or religion or creed or colour. It was as simple as an art student who thinks he's all free and easy creating a model of a vagina and showing it to his mum and thinking that that's going to be okay. East is East by Ayub Khan Din broke new ground by portraying a relationship between a British woman and her Asian husband and their mixed-race family growing up in Salford in the early 1970s. A clash of cultures and generations ensues. Oh, frig off and wash your bastard curtains, you dirty cow. And I swear to God, that's one of the best lines I've ever had to say in my life. But the film had a serious side too, tackling both racism and domestic violence. I threw myself and put all my physical strength into trying to stop him, and I couldn't. In Helsinki, they were saying, I can't believe you've made this film. It's incredible because it's showing what life is like for us now. A series of special interviews with Linda Bassett, Leslie Nickel and Chris Bisson. It was a great script and it was a timely thing to tell because it hadn't been told before. They've done all sorts of incredible things to transport you back in time to give you an authentic feel of what it was like. This series of special interviews is available now at distinctnostalgia.com. Also, I was lucky enough, just after we arrived as the Windsors in Emmerdale, in Beckendale, not long after that, was the plane crash. And I was in the yard with Kim Tate and, and Vic when the, the first ball of fire actually bounced into the um, horse's yard. And, and that was amazing the way they did that. And then we were right in front of um, a really huge... Um, Bales of hay, a stack, whatever they call it. Um, I have been in the countryside for a long time, but I still don't know what bales of hay stacked up are called. <laughs> anyway, so that was to catch on fire. And they had pipes of gas, little gas pipes with little holes, so that the flames would lick around the hay. Or straw, probably. It was probably straw, bales of straw. 
And uh, just as this was starting, we were supposed to chuck... I can't speak today, which isn't very good, is it, when you're being interviewed? Uh, buckets of water. Buckets, that's what I want. Buckets of water all over the, the, the bales of straw. And before they say that action, I actually saw the flames coming from the top of the, the bales of straw, right at the very top. And I shouted out, it's caught fire. They had it all caught fire and it all burnt to the ground. And we had to cut and wait two weeks for them to actually st stack it again. So that was amazing as well. I mean, and this was new. We were new in. And then the plane crash was brilliant for that time, wasn't it? The way they did it. And then uh, Beckingdale was changed to Emmerdale. So the village was then Emmerdale. And then just after that, my first husband, who was in jail, came out and took me hostage. So that was about a four-week film. All, all on, there was only about four or five of us. I mean, God knows what the rest of the cast thought. New girl, come in, and she's got this blooming, you know, strong storyline. Oh, I loved it. It was like doing a film all on my own. <laughs> where, did, where did they keep you hostage? Um, uh, well, um, my ex-husband... I can't remember his name now. Um, he took he took me hostage and uh, put me in a car, and we seemed to be driving manically around the dales for ages. And then I ended up at uh, home farm, and he got shot. And um, Vic came and got me. He, came, he carried me out. <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking to see who your um, your your ex husband was. Just one second. Um, Reg Reg Dawson. That's right. And so he was, yeah, and he was, so he was killed in that. Episode, yeah, basically. because um, Scott was his son. So Scott was his son. Donna was uh, Viv and Vic's son, uh, daughter. <laughs> it's very confusing. Soaps do get very confusing, don't they, sometimes? All the connections and different things, you know, who's yeah. related to who and all that kind of stuff. No, I mean, obviously... Emmerdale was changing at that particular point. We know that. And there were older members of the cast who'd been there a long time. There was a bit of tension, wasn't there? There were people who weren't comfortable about it, about the plane crash and what was happening. And Yeah, because like all big kind of uh, renewals, if you like, there was another time where there was a big, I think there was a, a lorry crash or a bus, bus crash in Emmerdale. And you knew from the script, whoever was going to get on the bus was probably that was it <laughs> so if you weren't on the bus you thought all right i might get another contract <laughs> things like that i mean so. it, was a, it was a risk for them wasn't it for yorkshire tv really to do this because emmerdale okay it hadn't you know it, it was very popular it probably didn't get the viewers that it later got you know but it was as emmerdale farm it had been really popular and it had got a loyal audience so actually to change it in such a huge way although to be fair it still carried on having its you know, it's farming and rural, rural roots. It didn't change that much, you know what I mean? But what I mean is, it was a dramatic change and that was a bit of a, a, bit of a gamble for them, wasn't it, really? I think it was a very big gamble, but I think as much as they pushed it out one way, they also pushed it out the other way in comedy because it started to be very amusing. We got the dingles in and, and, and the, the Windsors as well. And then when Bob came in, there was a lot of comedy not comedy kind of typical but it was amusing it was 
you know, people would smile. And so they could take the traumas because they could smile as well. And there was a nice balance. And I think that's, that was one of the, um, the gifts that Emmerdale gave you. You'd still got the connections to the history, hadn't you? Because, of course, you'd still got Roland McGill playing Amos. Yeah. You'd still got Stan Richards, obviously, playing Seth. And you'd got um, Richard Thorpe as Alan Turner. So yeah. it wasn't as if they completely changed yeah. it. It integrated really well. And you'd got um, Alan Turner on his big motorbike. And, and, and it was great. And, and, and Steph would always be there in the pub. And he would just be observing and, and doing it his way. So you were grounded in, in the history of, of uh, a kind of very much a farming village. And you still got the sheep running through the village at a certain time. And you still had all that at that time, but you still had kind of topical news things coming in, like, you know, Zoe and her, her love interests. Um, and all that was fairly new to do so long ago. And, and, and that was great. But as I say, it was bubbled along by being quite entertaining in some ways in, in certain situations. I mean, I gave birth to my twins in Seth's hut in the middle of the Dales. Now, I had my husband uh, bob at my head and I had my ex-lover, Paddy, between my legs to uh, help me give birth to my twins. <laughs> you said ex-lover. How many lovers did you have in the 18 years? Well, he wasn't exactly a lover, but we did have a bit of a go, nearly, kind of thing at one point. <laughs> that was very entertaining. <laughs> was, was, was Viv a bit of a cougar, do you think? Oh, I wouldn't like to say that exactly. I think she was just, uh, I think when she lost Vic, there was a time where she just wanted uh, male company and she just wanted to feel um, adored. And, and she, you know, she's a passionate woman. I mean, she wouldn't dress like that if she, she was a bit boring, would she? <laughs> um, but it kind of just went for a while in the wrong direction. And it, she looked a little bit kind of... Uh, desperate but she wasn't really <laughs> <laughs> and then she met bob you see so he kept her on her toes i think they get, got married twice didn't they going back to the, the beginning obviously you were new into what you know was a huge television program you, you know this was all very new to you yeah. yeah i know you got obviously you got um a particular co-star you had to focus on and obviously i know your scenes would probably be very much focused on that you probably wouldn't see some of the other cast and whatever but yeah. just tell us a bit about that in terms of getting to know people at the beginning was there anybody who took you under their wing or you got to know really well who was particularly friendly tell yeah. us a bit about that yeah well they were all a great cast um but leah helped me most because she had um a baby the same um almost i think she was a year older uh, than, than will my baby so um, she helped me there and, you know, we, we, well, we found uh, nurseries and things together and we used to um, help each other as well. And she lived around the corner and she was from down south. So we were the same. She'd had the same experience. She'd been in it, I think, three or four years before I came in. And, um, yeah, all the girls, they were great. You would share, you would share, um, Melandra, I used to share a dressing room with, and, and uh, Leah, uh, and there was, we just would chat in the dressing room, and 
I would bring all, all my, you know, alternative therapies. All, even then, I would be chatting about this, that and the other. That, that, they know me as the white witch. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So that was, that was great. And um, I knew Billy Hartman from before. So when he came in, I've I, I worked with him quite a lot over the years uh, in Jack Good's Old Boy, for one. So on the TV. So what about the old? What about the older members of the cast, the ones that had been there a long time? I mean, did you get to know them fairly well? You know, like like Fraser and and uh, yeah, Fraser, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Fraser gets to know everybody. He's, <laughs> he's great. I mean, he's just such a laid back chap, and he's he's just will chat away. I mean, obviously, uh, for people that have been in the cast much longer, they would have their habits. I think Alan and Fraser and. A few of the others would go to a pub at some point or have a meal together. Um, but if we were all working over at Harrogate somewhere, we would all go out together. It was, it's a great, great cast. But I mean, if you're a mum and you've got a young baby, you can't really socialise as much as if you hadn't, if you know what I mean. So Leah and I would be very much kind of do our work, go home, do, do the business. But I wouldn't often work with her. So it worked quite well if she was stuck for picking up her children. So... Yeah. Obviously, as well as being um, your family, the fictional family coming into uh, the Dales and it being a culture shock, for you, yeah. in a way, coming up north, living in the Leeds area, was probably a bit, of a, a bit of a culture shock as well, in the sense that you just had to get used to a new place. What did you do initially? Did you travel up and down or did you find somewhere specific? Yeah. Where, where did you live first? Where did I live first? I lived in Providence Street in Farsley, which was a one up, one down. I had a nanny who only lasted for a week because she couldn't stand the, the, the times. Um, I had my friend's um, daughter was 16 where I lived. I, li I used to live in Hillingdon, uh, West London. Um, and she would come up with me and I would travel by car because it's just by the, the, the M25 or the M25 had just been built, actually. <laughs> um, so it wasn't far to get onto the M1 and I'd slap up there in three hours or something in the car at, to begin with, listening to, um, oh, I can't remember his name now. Anyway, never mind, but it always reminds me. Of Radio 2, was it? Or Radio No, it was, uh, oh gosh, brain. <laughs> It's because I'm old now. I'm an old age pensioner now, you know. <laughs> Your memory does go. Um, anyway, so I go up there and I'd leave Will with, with um, my friend's daughter, uh, Victoria. And she, she was really great. But I did have to, I mean, she couldn't have stayed with me forever. But I was lucky in as much as I did a couple of weeks. And then it was the summer break. So it kind of got me into it. I found a little place. And then when I came back... Um, you know, oh, actually, no, the first two weeks, my mum and dad came up and we lived in this place. We couldn't find the key uh, to begin with. So I had to stay in a in a and b, &B the first night. Oh, it was a nightmare. Anyway, so mum and dad stayed with me for the first two weeks. I looked after my baby so that I could work. And then summer break. And then Victoria came up with me. And then uh, when she had to go back to school, what did I do? I got a nurse for a little while. Um, a help uh, but it wasn't for very long and I, I I breastfed Will right up until he was about one and I also had this this potion that I used to do which was pearl barley and you stewed it for six hours 
and you added a little bit of maple syrup and goat's milk and that was as near to breast milk as you had so I had one going in Farsley and I had one going in Hillingdon and I would go by actually we were near Heathrow so I used to get a bargain return on a flight up to Leeds Bradford and um, and that worked quite well but I never knew what time so I used to do that I either used to fly with Will um, and you're learning lines at the same time, and learning lines at the same time as all of this. <laughs> uh, well, I, yeah, well, I'd have to make time for line. I couldn't do it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, but yeah, but in those days, you had time. You had rehearsal. We didn't in the end. But anyway, so it was it was great having a bargain return and being so near the flights. But there was one time Leeds Bradford only had about two planes on it, and it had it was tiny, and it, just a load of concrete. That was it. And I was filming at Esholt, and um, I think Will was at home at that time. And I, I looked at my time, and I'd finished. I looked at my watch, and I said to, to, to Jim, could you get me to Leeds Bradford in, in, in 20 minutes? There's a flight going in half an hour. And he did. And they were just about to go, but because I knew them, I ran across the tarmac, and they actually let the steps down to the plane, and I got the plane, and I was back home from door to door, from Esholt to my ha house in an hour and a half. Amazing. That's amazing. I know. That was wonderful, wasn't it? Didn't yeah. always happen like that, but <laughs> that was one of the ways. We both had a car, so sometimes I had two cars up there because I would sometimes go back down by train, plane, and then occasionally, and I remember it well, I'd finished work, it was snowy, I picked Will up because he had the babysitter, Farsley, got in the car with a pizza in one hand, Will asleep in the back, it was about eight o'clock at night, and the batteries were flat! Mm. So I rang up Rodley Cabs, and there was, there was one woman there that she knew me very well, hello Dean enough that she would say, <laughs> that was me saying her, like she did. Um, so they sent off a cab, which helped me with my battery, sparked my battery to life. So off I went back down to London, you know, about half past eight at night. So I, I did it somehow. I got a few tickets on the way. But, you know, <laughs> it was, you, didn't it have was time, you didn't have time to settle in, did you? You were so busy with everything else. No, it, it was great though, because give a busy person something to do and they do it. And, yes. and I love being busy, so as long as I'm organised. Um, yeah, so then I was in Farsley for probably about six months, um, and Steve's got two children from a former marriage, so he would bring them up, and we would all be in this little one up, one down, and I thought, right, okay. So then we rented another place in uh, Pudsey yeah. um, for 18 months, um, and then and we'll were talk. you and while you would do while you were you know obviously you were getting used to the area, were you gradually sort of um, falling in love with the with the patch? Did you did you like it at first? Did you like Leeds? Um, um. Be careful! You speak to a Yorkshireman here. I loved Harrogate. <laughs> I love that side of things. It's really green, and I was brought up in Sussex, so Harrogate for me is just like Sussex was when I moved to Sussex in '68. So, um, I, I, I love the Dales and everything. I mean, Pudsey's all right, you know. Um, and we, we were lucky to live 
it's overlooking Full Neck, which is really nice. And the Bankhouse pub is shut now. Loved it there. Looked over the Dingley Dell to the Greyhound. Well, Leeds, yeah. Leeds is a busy city, isn't it? It's a busy city. Obviously it is. not busy I mean, as London, but it's a busy city. It's great to have Leeds so near because it, it is a city and you need your city stuff. And it's like a little London, so that's great. I mean, you know, I still go into Leeds, absolutely. Where, you, where do you live now? Where, do you, where are you now? Where are you based Boston, now? Between Harrogate and Weatherby. Oh, right, OK, nice, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I can get... I've now got my bus pass. So I can get on my number seven bus and nip into Harrogate, go for a meal when you know you can um have a drink and nip on the bus back again all for nothing <laughs> really great fabulous fabulous so you've ended up settling in the in the, in the north in, in yorkshire basically yeah we've got a lovely house we've got a bit of land yeah, and yeah. and and it's really we're able to get anywhere it, you go to York and you can be in King's Cross in an hour and 50. Absolutely, you can. You can. I know the, I know the area very well. I mean, I grew up in sort of Doncaster in South Yorkshire and then moved to Wakefield. And, but I've yeah. been over in Manchester for um, quite a long time. For my sins, I, I do prefer Yorkshire in many ways. But um, so actually Emmerdale, in lots of different ways, both in terms of career and your life, everything, it did, it did really change your life, didn't it? Um... Yes, it did. Um, Career-wise, um, yes. I, I think if, if I was if if I hadn't have been a mum, I would have chosen not to be in it for so long, because after about two or three years, I I, I felt that there was not a lot more I could gain as a, for my career. But I'm not a career-minded person. I'm a people person, and I'm a I I, I think. I'm kind of living the now, but I rather go for things that make me happy and I want to do. For instance, um, I would go off, I, I did go off uh, backpacking it around um, Australia for over a year. But if I was really wanting to get into the next West End musical, uh, there's no way I would have. But I wasn't going to hang around. My boyfriend went, so I thought, right, okay, I'll go. Rented out my house. You know, I. The other thing is, I know, obviously, I know in a soap, you know, if you're in it a long time, characters do wax and wane in the sense of sometimes you'll have, you know, some great storylines. Sometimes you'll have a lot of downtime. You know, it does, it, it, it's ups and downs, isn't it? But at least you've got that um, job security, haven't you? Which not many actors have, let's face Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I took that with both hands. And, you know, I, I just think my son gave me that. I think he brought me luck because... You know, I, I used that money to give him a good education and, and have a nice home. And I just, I just feel it all was just absolutely right. And I used it as much as I could in every way. And um, we now have a nice house, which we, we would always have a nice house. But, you know, I, I never thought I would be living up in Yorkshire. I never dreamt that... Uh, Yorkshire would be where I, I enjoy it because all my family are down south and my mum is in Sussex and my dad actually passed. I was just going to have a year off because I um, didn't see my mum and dad much. My son hasn't seen his grandparents hardly at all. And, and um, two weeks before I actually had my year off to be with mum and dad, dad died suddenly. Um, everybody was great at Emmerdale. They were so good. Um, and helped me through that but I had to come back it was when I was um sent down to jail for fraud which I didn't do 
um, all through the book that I wrote uh, about bringing up your children. And it was called Do As I Say. So um, <laughs> only Viv could do that. But she, she'd done it in with a good heart. And this chap kind of was a bit fraudulent. And she got the, um, the flap for it and had to go down to jail. So yeah. I still had to do that in the very early days of Dad's passing. I found that... I don't remember it much because it was traumatic, but at least in true style and dad's caring way, I could spend the next year helping mum get through it. You yeah. know, I could be with her much, much more. Uh, so, how did your, how did your um, family react to you being in Emmerdale? I mean, was it something that uh, they warmed to? Did they like you, you, your role in Emmerdale? Uh, yeah, well, they would always be very supportive in, in whatever I've, I've done. You know, I was in the West End in, in musicals and I've done TV stuff before. Um, only little bits and bobs, you know, the bill, like everybody did, and Tales of Sherwood Forest and all sorts of bits and bobs. Being in Emmerdale obviously would have, you know, we're talking about how it changed your life. It would have changed your life in another way as well, because you, you're now instantly recognised and... Yeah. You know, I mean, did that have an effect on you? How did you cope with that? Were you, did, you take, did you take to it like a duck to water or was it difficult? I, don't, I didn't find it difficult. I found, I, I actually think it was um, confirming because you didn't have, I was used to having an, an audience and they would certainly tell you through the way they clap whether they like what you're doing or not. And you can never tell. On, on television until you get got rapport and with, with people and when Viv started to be a, a more stronger character and was written for a little bit like the um, the gobby one <laughs> I used to get people saying well you're not very nice are you and I thought oh well I must be doing that all right then <laughs> or you know oh I like I like your legs I like your, your shoes I like what you wear you know and and that was fine and you'd find that uh being in, say, for Yorkshire, where I wasn't brought up, they were already familiar with you. So you would go into any pub and they would say, oh, hello. And, and it was, you know, your groundwork was done. And I enjoyed that because you felt, you felt fine but, and, and comfortable and relaxed. And be, people normally good. And sometimes they were a little bit overly uh, intrusive when you're on holiday sometimes. That, that got a bit, it made me a bit anxious sometimes. But generally, it was fine. Yeah, because the papers are always interested in the soaps, aren't they? Whatever happens, yeah. they'll, they'll, they, they twist things. And if you suddenly, you know, you come out of a, I don't know, a pub looking a little bit worse for wear, they'll insinuate you've been on the razzle or whatever. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. You oh, could be, they'll, they'll take a picture of you uh, emptying your bins, won't they? And, all those kind of things. Did you, did, you, did you ever have any of that nonsense? No, not really. I did fall in a bin. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> As Viv. Oh, of course. <laughs> that was my claim to fame. <laughs> Falling in a bin. <laughs> As well as amazing TV and film nostalgia, this podcast is also home to an epic radio quiz where listeners just like you go head-to-head -head on their favourite TV shows and films and put their general knowledge to the test. There's a bonus point if you can sing the theme tune, but I know you're not going to, are you? Skippy, 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 the bush kangaroo is all I can remember. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that earns you a point. Yeah, I'll go for that. The fifth season of the Distinct Nostalgia Mind of the Month quiz is almost here, and it needs you. Prisoner cell block... 
Tablet B. Prisoner Cell Block H. Simply choose your favourite TV show or film and get in touch at distinctnostalgia.com. Have a go at three British films. Just have a guess. Oh, Whistle Down the Wind, Carry On Up the Kyber. Um, no, this is rubbish. I'm sorry. No, I don't <laughs> they're, know. <laughs> they're not bad attempts, actually. And the two leading minds from across the month compete head-to-head in the final for a coveted Distinct Nostalgia mug. It's almost like a trophy. The Mind of the Month quiz. What kind of programme was The Smoking Room? Oh, I've never heard of it. I don't know oh. if I can accept that. That's another cracker, isn't it? They uh, always are. <laughs> Only here. This year has claimed the lives of far too many people to coronavirus. One of the many we lost was the great comedian Eddie Large. One half of that fabulous double act, Little and Large. And he's asked, you know, when did you meet and all that. And he'd have the stock answers, you know, oh, we met by accident, you know, I ran him over on a zebra crossing, you know, things like that. In a special interview, Sid Little remembers his long-time comedy partner and their years together making people laugh. I'd be stood there and Eddie'd go like, uh, you know, look at him. If he turned sideways and stuck his tongue out, it looked like a zip. If he had four more navels, he'd look like a flute. You know, <laughs> you know, when he wears his blue suit, he looks like a refill for a viral. Because you know, I was thin, I was really skinny, and Eddie was on the stocky side. And that's when the comedy started coming in. That's Little Remembers Large, only on Distinct Nostalgia. More than a podcast. If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, we would be living in a totally different format. A brand new podcast featuring rarely heard voices from across the UK and around the world. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up. Contemporary conversations around bisexuality. Oh, well, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. We are questioned so much more than people when they come out as straight or gay. It's intense pressure of like, am I sure? You're literally like monitoring yourself. Every episode will include a very personal story as we try to paint a real picture of bisexual Britain. This is Bisexual Brunch. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Going way, way back to the beginning again, because I just wanted to, because uh, not many people, well, I've, I've spoken to a few people who knew her, um, but, you know, and, um, Freddie Payne was talking to, to me about her um, the other week. But did you get to know or did you come across uh, Sheila Mercier then? Did yeah. You to, yeah. 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 Obviously, she was the original Emmerdale matriarch. Yes, um, she was. And what, what was she like? Um, a really nice, relaxed person. Um somebody you would go to like a grandma she would she just did her job and she would she was yeah yeah, yeah. She, she wasn't um terribly theatrical she didn't come in and say right darling here we are let's go <laughs> just do a job she was really nice i didn't work with her that much but obviously she was around yeah yeah and she I came back a few times her. didn't she she came back a few times for yeah. various departures and things like that and of course there was also clive hornby who'd been there for a long time as well oh yeah used to, used to get with clive very well yeah. yeah i mean he was i mean i know he wasn't the original jack of course there was a, a somebody who played jack before him but um yeah. uh, way 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 back uh, a bit like dolly dolly was two dollies as well but yeah. uh, so tell us a bit about some of the some of the storylines when you look back because i know 
I know the di- I know it's difficult when you look back because you you were there for eighteen years, so you can't remember everything. But were there th- other things that when you look back, the things that stand out, one things that you're particularly proud of? Uh, I've already touched the um, uh, aeroplane crash and falling in the bin. Uh, uh, yeah, that but that was a really difficult acting part. That was was it? I was there getting some curry, wiping the curry out of the bottom of the bin, and whoops, a daisy, I fell in. Yes, that was very difficult. the <laughs> <laughs> same. Um, the hostage stuff, I remember there was lots of car chases, so that was brilliant. Another thing I remember was with Bob, we've been through the Thelma and Louise thing, but it was some just lovely scenes with him that were quite amusing, like turning the the um, their lounge, Viv's lounge as it was, into the cafe and we were just painting and and ended up being covered in flour. It was just some lovely moments. What are the other lovely moments? Um, all the wool pack parties. There was a phase where um, they used to be themed wool pack parties and I've got one and I can't remember what the theme was now but I've got a chain around Bob's neck and he was wearing kind of um, leopard skin um, swimming trunks <laughs> and that's it and and I've got a short gold skirt on and, and a big smile on my face so I'm not quite sure what that theme was but I do remember what other things? I remember the whole of the wall pack collapsing and Shireen Murphy was trapped underneath the uh, chimney and that was her out. But some of the big, you know, the, the night shoots that we had to do for that and the wind tunnel and the rain and everything to, to make it up. But, you know, there was some big things going on there. And uh, oh, it was great to ride the waves over 18 years. There was... There was lots of fun stuff, there was lots of dance stuff, there was lots of dramatic stuff, and there was lots of funny stuff. So, I mean, I, I had a ball, really, and it was great to embrace it all. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, while you were there, the, the, the things changed in terms of the location and everything, didn't it? You absolutely. Were... went from Sunnybank Mill, the, the sets went from Sunnybank Mill to uh, Burley Road, as we've already discussed, and then the outdoor set used to be Esholt, and... It was, in the beginning, it was really good and it was calm and we weren't there that much, but there would always be the phantom um, hammer. Uh, and they used to hear this going on. So they used to bang him a tenner to shut him up for half an hour and then he'd do it again. He used to make loads of money. And in the end, we used to have to have a police cordon off. And people used to just come and watch us. And it just wasn't conducive to filming. So, uh, and, I the think, whole... and, I think, and I think the people of Eschel, of course, who'd had it since 1972, yeah. were probably relieved as well, in a way, weren't they? Absolutely. And it was relocated to the grounds of Harewood. And, and that is a big set. Not every house has got an indoor set. The indoor sets are mainly... ITV now, so. Well, they managed to replicate like the Will Pack and yeah, all that, didn't they? Yeah, it was great, and it was great going down there. Not long after it was open, the Queen came and visited it, and it was. Uh, and I blew up the post office in front of the Queen. Well, she blew it up. 
I'll run out with Betty and Seth. Now, now with that post office, did anything, did anything ever get sort of, so all, all I can remember about the co post office is just gossip. I can never oh, really remember no, anything well, he's told. Well, Vic died in the post office. He hit his head on the corner of the uh, freezer. So oh, yeah. that, yeah. That, that happened. Um, I um, had a bit of a ding dong with Paddy and wrapped my legs around his waist in the post office. So we pushed a few shelves over in the post office. Um, yeah, apart from that was gossip, but it was, you know, breaking up with uh, arguments with, with Vic. And I think that the best times as well was when I had um, Emily Dingle. Remember, um, she came in, she was very, very, she was kind of made to be plain and, and she was a farmer's daughter and, and, you know, very Christian and principled and everything. And we used to have these chalk and cheese conversations where we would be facing the same direction and I would be saying, oh, have a look at my new stockings. And she was saying, oh, Mrs. Windsor. <laughs> and it was just, you know, whatever the conversation was, was totally opposite. But she would keep Viv really earthed and Viv would start to kind of bring her out of herself in all sorts of ways. I mean, when Viv met Bob, there was all these kind of, you know, Viv used to put on all sorts of very... Um, naughty outfits because he did he did have this catalogue for for underwear and lingerie and i'm just remembering he said that i could enter a competition so i did all these photographs for a competition and he said i'd won it and and something to do with money i think he he needed some money but he was saying i won it and i couldn't wait to see it so when i saw the catalogue he cut my head off and put somebody else's body or, or cut my head off and put somebody else's head on, on my body or something she was furious but that was a funny thing but all through that we always had Emily Dingle being the stalwart and then there was Bob and Viv either side and it was a really good yeah comedy believable moment you were you were quite a double act Viv and Bob were quite a double act weren't they yeah. the time and yeah, that really was quite enjoyed a, it yeah, one of one of the you know, special double acts of, of soap, really. Just a couple of other questions. What about your your kids? The, the kids, you know, the, the, the family. What did you? How did you get on with them? What was that like? Great. I still get on with Adele now. She's got a little girl, and uh, we still meet up. Absolutely. And uh, Verity. Um, Verity was played by um, Sophie at the beginning. So Verity came in a bit later. Uh, Donna. And how did you find that changing actors? Was that a bit oh, of a... Absolutely. A uh, you know, um, I am here to, to produce something. And if, it, you know, I, I teach a lot as well. I teach in schools. So I'm, I'm just happy to help. In fact, Adele, who played um, Kelly from the beginning, um, is in musical theatre. She loves musical theatre. And, and Adele and Sophie used to sit in the tent when we first came there. Um, singing musical songs all the time. So when um, Verity joined us, if there was only five minutes, the three of us would be dancing away under the set. It just, you know, because we all love dancing. So if I taught them anything, it wouldn't be acting, it would be dancing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so over the years, we were talking about you becoming a bit of a cougar at one point. Um, yeah. <laughs> when you look back 
all the all the chaps, as it were. Um, who would you? Um, who was you know apart from obviously Bob and whatever? Who was the? Who was the? Who would? Who was the one you'd like things to have continued with? Who would you like to have had a relationship with? Do you think? I suppose Terry, because um, he was he. I don't know. Yeah, I think Viv probably. Because Terry was always there, always as her friend. Whether wherever she kind of moved, he was always there. And then in the end, when she was feeling really lonely, I think she thought that he would come back to her, but it was misconstrued, and he said no. And then she drank too much wine, and then got burnt in in a in a, in a fire. <laughs> yes. So yeah. That was my out. <laughs> Why did you, or did you decide to leave, or were you? Did they want you to leave? What was the What was the decision on that? Well, um, I'm not quite sure. I, eighteen years was enough. I, I, I was at a time where I wasn't quite quite sure. If they tempted me to stay, I would stay. But I didn't. I didn't. I would have preferred to have given him my notice. But I think I was bitterly disappointed with the storyline exit I had. As, as well oh, after all the years that I'd been in I was hurt I think quite deeply and and I did enjoy playing the character so yes I still miss that absolutely leaving a soap for some people I've spoken to in the past uh it's been described as like having a bereavement really that you suddenly sort of you know you, you you've been connected to this character for so long and suddenly you're not anymore. And that can have a real effect on some people. How was it for you? Well, it, it did hurt, that's, that's for sure, because uh, it would, it's a life and a person I'd been playing for 18 years. And it was also my son's total upbringing and schooling. And, and, and although he was born in London, West, he was brought up in Yorkshire, so he's kind of a Yorkshire man. So uh, I never in my wildest dreams thought we'd be here. And it's, it is like leaving a family because you can't choose your family. I mean, the hours that you just have together in, in long shoots and things and, and scenes that you do together, it, you, you're quite vulnerable. You're, you're airing your soul to somebody and, and that that is there forever, I think, and the connection is there forever, and you might not see them socially, but if after a couple of years you bump into somebody, it is, it is like seeing family. So that to me was a big thing, because I'm a people person, and I love to have a purpose to my day, and I love to go up and be with people. People are very important to me. Um, so I think I kind of... Um, saved face and I kind of actually said well it is time to go so I'm happy to do so but I did hurt I, I wasn't going to say you know I, I couldn't I, I didn't say I hurt because but did it, did it upset you that did it upset you that they killed you off um it upset because, me that I Viv, did... was, Viv was such a uh, just such a popular character you would have thought they would have left the door open for such a popular character to maybe at least have a guest appearance every now and again, or, you know, I hate it when they kill people off for what or often feels to me just like this for the sake of it, really. 
Well, yes, I think that was that was a big thing because um, I not only didn't really have a storyline building up to it, I didn't even have a grave in Emmerdale. They just sent all my my bits down to London, down south, and I didn't have any family left there. So I did feel very kind of all of a sudden gone. And yet, yeah, in an ideal world, it would have been fantastic to keep coming back in and muddying the waters and upsetting everybody and then trotting back out again as if nothing had happened. I mean, you know, I've got my twins there and, you know, Donna was a policewoman, wasn't she, until she leapt from a, a building. So, you know, we all went eventually. Well, anything can happen in soap. I mean, you know, Gillian Telfer's character, you know, has come back as, uh, as Kathy in, uh, in EastEnders. Um, you know, Viv could come back from, from the dead, couldn't she? <laughs> well, you see, you didn't see us. And Terry apparently jumped into the building to save me. And we haven't seen him either, you see. So there was a bit of a wood at the back there. And I always think, well, they might be just sitting around a campfire. You know, his beard has got down to his knees and her hair's really long down to the nape of her back. But hey-ho, you know, you never know. It would be great, though. <laughs> so in those... So in those months and years afterwards, obviously you say you went into pantomime straight away when you when you left, which is a I know is an experience in itself, isn't it? Not always a, not always a good one. Most people it is, but sometimes people do find it quite difficult to to do pantomime. But you know, how was it for you just just generally? You know, did you did you find it easy to? I mean, I know you've got your other work. Did you find it easy to get work in the the days after Emmerdale? Yeah, I did. I, I was. I went straight to pantomime, straight into Calendar Girls, because I, I, I was in musical theatre for so many years before Emmerdale, it was like going back to normal. So some people that have only known soap, I can understand it would be a big wild world out there, but I've been in that big wild world since I was 16. And to me, it was stepping back to what I knew again. So yeah. I did four tours of Calendar Girls. Um, the first one was with Leslie Joseph. I did um, Our House, which was brilliant. I absolutely loved that show on tour, um, playing the mum. So I was 40 years older than everybody else, but the choreography was brilliant. I didn't have to do it, that's why. But uh, yeah, no, I was, uh, I've done quite a few shows. I've also, I'm also a qualified Pilates teacher, so I've been teaching at schools. Yeah. all round, you know so, you, you, so, 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 so there was there was no um there was no risk of you uh drowning your sorrows and uh, whatever you always have plenty to do plenty to do yeah wherever i lay that my hat i'm busy <laughs> I, absolutely i mean my my husband's been writing a musical for the last five six seven years and so and i i I've done a lot of singing, you know, studio singing. I used to be a session singer as well with my first husband. So I would come in and, you know, be hoovering one minute, doing about three or four loaded up vocals the next and, and being whoever. And because I can make a noise on most ranges, not a good noise maybe as such, but so I'm quite useful in that way. So I'm always doing something and I'm always involved with something. So... Tell us a little bit about Calendar Girls, because you say you work with Laser Joseph, who's great. And uh, who else was on your, uh, your stint on Calendar Girls? Sue Holderness from Only Fools and Horses. Uh, Casey Ainsworth. She's, they're all really close. We, keep, we, we uh, did the first tour in 2011, March, 
and we finished the fourth tour, or, or the one I did with her, um, 2000, December 2013, and then I went straight into Panto at, at the Grand in York. Um, we're still close now. We, there isn't a week go, goes by I don't, you know, contact Casey. I was on contacting Sue the other day, you know, um, and we're quite close, that, that bunch of girls, and, and Leslie Joseph, LJ. <laughs> and of course you're not far where you live you're, you're still not far from from emmerdale so presumably you keep in touch with quite a few of the emmerdale crew do you well i i don't really um um i keep in touch kind of maybe facebook or something like that but there's about half a dozen of them uh, of them that live down the road and i bump into them but we don't kind of socialize i do with uh, sam giles um and bobby Mrs. Glover, we've kept. It. She used to stay when we were working together, um, and and I saw Bobby just a couple of weeks ago. We've always kept in contact. But apart from that, um, oh, I, um, before um, lockdown, that wonderful lockdown, um, I was taking one-to-one um, -one Pilates classes for people, and Emma Atkins and Charlie Webb used to come over, and Eden, and. And I used to give them one-to-one -one Pilates, and I used I helped uh, Charlie with massage and stuff before she had a baby. So tell us about your other other projects, then, because you've been you've been hinting throughout the interview about the other things you do that you've been doing for a long time that you were doing even well way before Emmerdale. Tell us a bit about that and how um, how work is for you at the moment. Um, well, I've always ridden the waves with alternative therapies, um, medicines, if you like. Um, and I first qualified in 1989, I think, having worked solidly from 85. And because of our business, the way it is, between jobs rather than waitress, which I have done, I thought I would have another profession because it's easy to actually work round work if you're working from home with something else. And I started off with aromatherapy, which is using pure essential oils, mentally, physically, spiritually, and, and, and emotionally, of course. And, and I've always been interested in health and well-being and people. So that therapy is a one-to-one -one person. And, and it's, 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 it's the whole being. And then my um, kind of show business is one person to everybody, which is one person. So it is a lovely compliment. And, and you get to know people as well and their characters, which is good tools for the trade if you're asked to, you know, and, and why people tick. And that's another good, um, you know, tool for the trade as well. But um, my, main, my main concern is, is well-being and healing. And, and, and that's what I've been doing since 89. And, and I've had a lot of... Um, uh, treatments to do and I've always kind of found a room somewhere when I was working in Emmerdale the archivist room I would just say I've got two days off who wants a treatment and um, I'd get mainly the the office staff coming in because you know mates wouldn't know when they're working and when they're not and they, they couldn't get on set if they're all greased up could they anyway so that's what you I used to do you should have you should have uh, brought it in as a as a sideline for Viv well, I think, I think it was hinted at at some point early days. However, Viv isn't like me and she wouldn't give a damn about anybody else. 
I mean, the only massage she wants is from a bloke for her. But I'm also an advanced nutritionist as well for the last six years, which has been really interesting in these times. I found for myself the first lockdown. I think everybody did the first lockdown with a very good mindset. Right, we've got to do this. We'll all do it. And, the, you know, the local shop was absolutely brilliant. And she was the only thing that was open. And we all did it with a good heart. And to have a purpose to your day, I do uh, Pilates, but not my own. What, what do you call it? A website called heavenandhell.co.uk or .com. And they do all different things. Pilates, hip boxing, um, yoga and everything and it's brilliant different times of the day or pre-record so you can do them if you can't get and you can get a nice little kind of protocol to your day a little uh, schedule to your day get fresh air obviously keep your distance exercise fresh air vitamin d you get from the sun it's the best way to get from the sun if the sun roll your sleeves up take your trousers off get the sun to your skin because it makes everything else work. It's good for immune system. If you can't get sun, which we can't, and a lot of people are being indoors, especially old people, you're more vulnerable because your immune system goes down. Anyway, going back to the soaps, um, at the moment, Viv is sadly dead. <laughs> she, could, she could be brought back from the dead if they're imaginative. They're looking they could find... over you. <laughs> they could find a way, I'm sure. I'm sure they could find a way. There's something in the storyline they could do. But, you know, you're not far away from uh, from Manchester, really, or from Liverpool. I mean, wouldn't you fancy a, a stint in Corrie or Hollyoaks? Well, I don't mind. I was on Doctors the other day, just the guest performance, with Piotr, a director who used to direct on Emmerdale, and uh, a few friends were there that used to work on makeup and stuff. Oh, it was brilliant. It was like going home. I just loved it. And it was a bit, the character was a bit like Viv, but with a Birmingham accent. Well, there you go. You, you did the Birmingham accent, did you? Of course. My parents are from Birmingham, so I can speak it easy, you know. Fantastic, fantastic. Now, of course, you know, it's not like the old days. Back in the old days, there was no way anybody would cross between soaps way, way back. But now, of course, you know, you, you know, Vicky Binns did it, didn't she, between Emmerdale and, and Corrie and Claire King's done it and whatever, you know, between yeah. Emmerdale and Corrie. So it can happen. What I'd love to see happen, though, which has never happened, really, I'd love to see the soaps join up a little bit and have a character from one actually emerge as the same character in another one. Do you know what I mean? I think that'd be great. We were talking about that uh, uh, probably about 20 years ago. I decided that perhaps Viv should trot into the old Vic one day in EastEnders, all dressed up like, like Viv, but just asked for, you know, what did she say? Oh, rum and coke she used to have. Oh my God. <laughs> but that, you know, still could happen. Yeah, it'd be a bit of fun, wouldn't it? It'd be a bit of fun. Yeah. Bit of fun. Um, well, um, I think I called you Viv earlier on. I mean, you know, that must happen a lot. People still must end up calling you Viv, don't they? Cause they... Oh yes, and, and apparently I, I used to go to their school and drop my kids off with them at their school, and I think, my, maybe not. Or <laughs> you used to work with me in boots. Not that I remember. <laughs> so yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it's funny, the whole, the whole blending of uh, fact and fiction. Quite a lot of the actors uh, we interview on this do end up sort of blending their own lives into the lives of their character and yeah. keep 
you know, people forget, don't they? They forget what, what's real and what's not. <laughs> so, well, fantastic. It's been lovely to talk to you. Um, I mean, 18 years is a long time to be in anything, really. But I think you were, I think your character was definitely one of the, one of the most memorable. So, uh, well done on that, on that time. And, um, and, you know, and, and, and of course, Emmerdale is within, literally in two years' time, it'll be 50 years old. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it, really? Yeah. So the soaps are the great survivors, aren't they? Well, they are. And they reflect normal life in a lot of ways. Maybe a little mm. bit out there and some, but... A little bit exaggerated every now and again, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, good for them, though. Good for them. You wouldn't have had as many men in real life, would you, probably? Would you? How do you know? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Lovely, lovely to chat to you. Thank you very much indeed. And you. Take care. Thank you. The wonderful Dina Payne there. And uh, if you'd like to know more about Dina's other work, then drop us a line at Distinct Nostalgia. If you go to the Distinct Nostalgia uh, web pages, uh, distinctnostalgia.com, go to the contact form and drop us a line and we'll pass your uh, information on to Dina. You're listening to Distinct Nostalgia, home to some incredible interviews with stars from all your favourite soaps. If you enjoyed today's episode, why not head over to distinctnostalgia.com for a treasure trove of programmes just like this. Lisa Williamson of Hollyoaks fame talks about life on the programme. So we all got to know each other quite well. If you were chatting to some of the writers about something you've been getting up to, they would sort of write that in. So you started realising that some of your personality traits would come into the show. I got the script and I thought, what have I been up to? I got pregnant. I had the child adopted. It was, you know, when you think, wow, the writers have really gone to town for me today. You know, it's, it was great, fantastic. Andrew Linford and Mark Homer reflect on sharing their first kiss on EastEnders in the 1990s. When the, the Blackpool episode came out, front page of the tabloids, it was like, get this scum off our TV and things like that. Just horrendous stuff. It, it was kind of the start of, of, of a big thing, really, and we're privileged to be involved in, in storylines like that, I really am. And Nick Cochran discusses his life on the street as we continue our celebration of Corrie at 60. They were just brilliant with us, you know, because we were a couple of little sh who've fortunately found their way into the TV's biggest show without really knowing what they're doing. That's bottom line, that's where me and Simon were at that point. Myself and Simon are old school people. We were brought up properly, mate, and, and so there was a lot of respect then, more than there is now. These programmes and many more are available at distinctnostalgia.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to be notified whenever a new episode becomes available. And if you like what we do, then please consider supporting us on Patreon. Every penny helps us to make even more amazing content just for you. Go to distinctnostalgia.com and click on the donate button. Thank you for listening and bye for now. Distinct Nostalgia is brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. We've lots of activities for you to do at home at liferooms.org. Staying well, staying home.